Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. Uh, when we get to the 6 o'clock hour, we uh, hope to bring you a conversation with Tennessee, well, BFL and Titans wide receiver Josh Malone that was uh, conducted by the one, the only Vince Ferrara, who is settling into his spot to share his views here in mere moments, as well as uh, help us connect to a very special guest. Vince, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are we doing? Doing fine. Thank you. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. So uh, always great, Vince, to have you join us. And uh, in just a couple of seconds here, we're going to hear, I guess, from a, a Pison. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So why don't we go ahead and jump to the Stanley Fencing Gates hotline for a remarkably special guest. Yeah, really excited. Talked to him. I had the pleasure of talking to him before and wanted to bring him on so everyone could hear from him. A lot of you saw him. Uh, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame just a few weeks ago. Unbelievable speech. And uh, the first ever Jaguars uh, Hall of Famer, first ever draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and had such a, an amazing run, did a, a terrific job. And a damn good water boy uh, for the varsity as a, <laughs> as a kid as well. Tony Baselli joins us. Here on Sports Talk, Tony, Vince Ferrara, Jimmy Himes, John Wilkerson. Congratulations, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing up there in Tennessee? We're uh, we're excellent. Uh, Frank Frangie, your partner uh, on the Jaguars Radio Network, along with Jeff Lagerman, comes on on the show all the time. So I, that that was a nice little shout out you gave to them as well. Oh yeah, they're good. They're good buddies and. Uh... Yeah, you, I think you have a couple of uh, people down here that even listen. One of my one of my good uh, good golfing buddies texted me said, "Hey, I heard you're going on with the station up in Tennessee." He said, "Be nice to the Vols." I'll be nice to the Vols. The Vols look like they might be back this year. Yeah, well, maybe we'll before we're done, might slide in and uh, ask you about that. But let, let's start with you going yeah. into the the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I yep. was so amazed watching your speech, Tony how you were able to keep your composure. If you were emotional, you didn't show it. That was unbelievable. How many people have commented to you about you not breaking down in, in emotion, which I think a lot of us watching were emotional more than you. Yeah, I mean, I, thank you. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of really great comments about it. And I was more emotional than... I mean, you could probably tell there was a couple times during the speech I had to really slow down and take a second to pause. Um, in particular, talking about my wife and my dad, mm-hmm. um, that I was on the verge of, you know, breaking down. And one of the things I told myself before I got up there, and I practiced a lot, obviously, is do not get up there and just start bawling, crying <laughs> in front of everybody on the stage. Um, and so that was a goal of mine. I'm like, okay, keep it together and, and just talk slow. And so I just try to take my time and really, um, because it was really important for me to honor 
the people in my life that helped me get there. I am a big believer that nobody gets to the top by themselves. It just doesn't happen. Like I, I always laugh when you, I see people pounding their chest and saying, look how great I am and look what I've done and so on and so forth. Because it's, it's not a, it's not a solo adventure. Um, I didn't get into the hall of fame by myself. It's because of the amazing family I have. I mean, the coaches that have been put into my life. Um, I was super, super fortunate. I mean, I had great offensive line coaches and great high school and college coaches and in the pros and, you know, and the teammates I had. So I wanted to make sure that I really honored those individuals. And, um, and that was important to me. So I just, I just took my time and tried to talk slow and make sure I didn't, didn't lose it up there. Pro Football Hall of Famer and Jaguars great Tony Baselli joining us here on Sports Talk events Ferrara, John Wilkerson, Jimmy Himes. You mentioned uh, your teammates, and one of them that you've referred to as your your best friend, guy that uh, you guys were, were together during your Jacksonville tenure, Mark Brunel. It, was that an instant connection with you two? You obviously had to work together so much, but it, w- w- was that – automatic or was that a, a building over time yeah it's funny so my rookie year 95 was his first year they trade they actually traded before mark the night before the draft the night before i got picked and it's so when we got to jacksonville we were actually weren't friends our first year um we were friendly and he was the quarterback and i played offensive line but we did not hang out and the funny thing is it was our wives that started the relationship and I, I'll never forget it. The season ends and, you know, you get through the season and you're, you have a couple months where you, you know, you don't have to be back until March and for workouts and everything else. And my wife said, Hey, let's go on vacation. I said, great. Um, and she, then she told me, she says, we're going to go on vacation with the Brunels. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not even friends with this guy. I go, he's a teammate, but why are we going on vacation with the Brunels? And she's like, I don't care what you say. I like his wife. Um, and we're going to go on vacation with them. And so, you know, anyone who's been married, I mean, I've been married 27 years. You, I learned quickly, like, if my wife wants to do it, we're going to do it. And so we went on vacation after my rookie year, and we hit it off. And we, from that moment on, became great friends. And we drove to work every day. We raised our kids together. We went on vacation every year together. We worked out together. I mean, he, we just became best friends. Uh, our faith grew together. I mean, he was impactful, my faith growing. Um, and so it, it's an interesting how it started. It was because of the wives, but then, you know, it was obviously it was meant to be because since that moment, we've been best friends and I, you know, you always have a handful of people in your life that are as close as family. Um, and he's, he's like a brother to me and, uh, it's been a great relationship and it was, it was so great having him present. It was, it's funny. You talked about getting emotional. One of the things that surprised me, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that surprised me was, you know, when they showed his presenting, his presenter vi- video where he presented me before I got up there, I had not seen that. And I'm backstage and I'm watching that and I got emotional backstage watching it. Wow. And I was shocked that I got emotional. I'm like, where's this coming from? I know I'm going to get emotional when I talk about my dad and wife, but I can't be losing it already. <laughs> but that was a really nice moment for me. Um, and it was great having him be my presenter. Tony, it was interesting also that uh, your father had passed away before you were inducted, and he had taped that speech for you. Did you know he had taped it, or was that a surprise to you? Yeah, that was a surprise. So 
you know, my dad got died. My dad was, you know, very active and everything else. And in 20, 20, August of 2020, he got diagnosed with stage four uh, melanoma that had metastasized to his liver, lungs, and brain. And uh, went through the treatment. And I found out in January of 2021, I didn't make the Hall of Fame, my fifth time being a finalist. And I remember the thought that crossed my mind. is like, my gosh, my dad's probably not going to be here. Because he, the treatment was working. He was going the wrong way. And that was a really hard moment for me. Um, less about me not making the Hall of Fame, but more about him probably not being able to experience it. So you fast forward, you know, and I kind of go through the end, you know, his end of life and the whole process that unfortunately we all deal with at some point. And, uh, and I went through that and little did I know about 10 days before he died, my wife and one of my really good friends, a guy named Eric Murphy, one of my, another one of my best friends came up with the ideas like let's video um, big Tony, my dad, um, talking about his son and what it would, if he makes all fame and so on and so forth. And, and so they came up with this whole scheme behind my back. I didn't know anything about it. And my dad didn't want to do it originally. He's a, he was a proud man. He felt like this was admitting that he was dying and so on and so forth. So they convinced him, they, you know, coerced him into doing it. And then they, when I made the hall of fame, we we're at this dinner after, you know, the honor show, uh, right before the Super Bowl, and, and they play this video and there's my dad talking about me and that was uh it's funny i didn't i couldn't watch it and i didn't watch it i just put my head down and i was trying again all these people around i didn't want to lose it and the first time i watched it in its entirety was the thursday morning before the hall of fame speech that happened on saturday and so i watched it in canton um and it was it was emotional and it was it was great and uh, it's something that I'll have forever. And I'm so thankful to my wife and my good friend, Eric. You were a star offensive lineman at Southern Cal, and so was another guy by the name of Anthony Munoz. And I wonder, when did you first hear of Anthony, and when did you guys become friends? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone knew who Anthony was, you know, if you're an offensive lineman. And then, obviously, you go to SC, you definitely know who he is. Um, and I remember my – Richard sophomore year, I was, it was early in the season. I was struggling a little bit up to, as far as my standards were. And I found this old coaching tape of Anthony Munoz, and I sat there for hours watching it. And it was so impactful to me as a player, and it helped me, and I ended up being All-American that year and everything else. And so then you fast forward, I get drafted, and, uh, and when I got drafted, Anthony was working for, uh, I think it was ESPN, was doing games or one of the networks, and he came to Jacksonville to do a story on me. And we developed a, a relationship at that point, my rookie year. And, and since then, it's just grown. And obviously, Anthony's a guy that, as a player, I think he's the greatest all time. He's at the standard for left tackles. Um, but he's a better person than he is a football player. And so he's someone I really respect, um, look up to, and really treasure the relationship I have with him. And when he and he ended up being the one who knocked on my door to let me know I was in the Hall of Fame, and that I think that moment would have been awesome no matter who knocked on my door. To be honest with you, but it was extra special that it was Anthony Munoz, the guy that went to my alma mater, a guy that every left tackle in the world looks up to, and someone that I call a friend. So that was it was really neat. Tony, fantastic to talk to you, and congratulations on making it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm wondering if uh, if you've pointed out to Mark Brunel that he looks a lot older on Hard Knocks than you do, um, as as you of course were being enshrined. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, I let him know. Like all that gray hair, he looks like an old man. Um, I mean, I'm like, man, coaching is taking it out of you. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he's aging faster than me, and I just tell him it's because I live a much better life than he does. <laughs> well said. Um, now, there's just so much that I, I can't begin to imagine what it's like. But there's it's such a special week when you're enshrined. And I'm wondering, what was the biggest wow moment? Was it being welcomed into the uh, array of all the gold jacket wearers that meet you and greet you yeah. and welcome you into the fold? Was there somebody in particular that you had a chance to meet that you hadn't met before? I'm just wondering, was there a gotcha moment while you were in Canton? There was a handful of gotcha moments. And I think every one of them revolved around that there was special created moments by the Hall of Fame where it was just Hall of Famers. And I was sitting there amongst the greats of the game and realizing I am now part of this fraternity. And I'm sitting there looking at guys that I watched growing up idolizing, you know, the likes of Dean Joe Green and Larry Zonka and Jack Youngblood and, you know, Jim Brown and, and uh, obviously Anthony Munoz, as I've known, um, Willie Lanier from the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I'm just sitting amongst these guys. And I'm like, I was like a kid. And I actually stepped back at one moment because I felt like this is overwhelming. And it was just the coolest thing being welcomed by them. And you talked about just it, it, it's a special fraternity. And once you're they're so welcoming and like, hey, you're a Hall of Famer. You're you're part of us now. And to hear guys I looked up to and wanted to be like as a kid say that to me was uh, that was a special moment. Tony Baselli, Pro Football Hall of Famer, joining us here on Sports Talk. Tony, at what point when you arrived, when you became a Jacksonville Jaguar, did you get a sense that maybe you guys would have more success than what people might think or had known for expansion franchises to have because you guys won pretty quickly? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the first year was a blur. I mean, I'm a rookie. You don't know any better. I had a little knee scope because of, during camp. So I'm just – and my biggest, my biggest concern when I got there was don't be a bust because I knew this franchise, brand new, city excited about having a football team, and they drafted a, an offensive lineman. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, you know, don't be like, – you know, fans are probably already disappointed they didn't get a quarterback or a receiver or whatever. Um, don't let – don't let the organization down. Don't let your teammates down. Don't let the ownership fans. So that was really important to me to live up to um, what they invested in. And that was a second overall pick. And so I wanted to make sure I lived up. I did my job. And then, and then year two, you know, we spent a lot of money in free agency. And I remember we opened up with a win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I thought, man, we're, we're going to be good. And then we proceeded to lose um, a bunch of games until mid season. We were four and seven and we were not very good. And, and, uh, but all of a sudden, we had enough veterans, and the, the young guys started playing good, and we went on this run and got into the playoffs and went to the AFC Championship game. And it was during that stretch that I realized, like, we have some really good players on this team, and we have a special group. We have a close group. And, I, and that's probably when I realized that we had a chance to do something in the you know, late 90s and put, string together a number of uh, years going to the playoffs. Falling short not getting to the Super Bowl, which is always disappointing and a regret I have, but it was a, it was a fun team to be on. And you just kind of felt it with the guys and the makeup of the, of the guys on that team. 
this comes completely outside the realm of football, but uh, being a West Coast kid that made his way in a life in Jacksonville, is there a different vote now to Whataburger versus In-N-Out Burger than maybe what you would have had growing up? Yeah, I, think, I actually like both. I'm indifferent. <laughs> I, like, to me, I'm like, why do you have to choose one or the other? I just take both. Um, so I, I, I'm happy to indulge in either of those. I think they're both outstanding. And I'm happy to eat both at the same time if I if I you know I can find them next to each other. So, uh, like I'm like people ask me all the time like I'm if I don't have to choose I'm not going to I'll take both. I really enjoy they're both great. And uh, but uh, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. It's funny. I grew up in Colorado, then went to SC obviously, and I've now lived in Jacksonville longer than anywhere. And there's not a I would would choose to live anywhere else in the world. I love the South. I love this. I love this area of the country, and specifically Jacksonville. It's just such a great place to live. Now we don't have in and out here, but we do have Whataburger. So at least I get half the uh, equation whenever I uh, deem necessary. <laughs> Tony, did your dad teach you any of the Italian language? No, my dad is. Uh, my dad is. It was his grandfather came over. Okay. And then, you know, and so by the time I was born, my mom's not Italian. You know, people always ask, does you're Italian? I said, I have an Italian last name, and I love Italian food, and I love Italian culture. It's probably my favorite country to visit. Um, but I am a good old American mutt. I got more things going on in me that, <laughs> than you probably could shake a stick at. So I'm an Ameri- I'm, a, I'm a USA born <laughs> USA. I'm just, you know. Italian last name, love Italian food and culture, but that's about the, the extent of it. Gotcha. And one last thing, you you obviously gave credit to Tom Coughlin. You're the only coach you had in the National Football League, and you kind of jabbed at him a little bit and said you had some really annoying rules. What's number one in the most annoying or senseless Tom Coughlin rule that you had to deal with? Yeah, that's an easy one. Um, we were not allowed to wear white socks on the road. Um, anywhere, not in like, I'm not talking about just traveling where we had to wear coat and tie. Um, you couldn't be seen wearing white socks around the hotel. Um, and I never understood it. And I remember telling him, I said, Tom, what does me wearing white socks have anything to do with blocking the right defensive end? And he looked at me and said, nothing. I don't like white socks, so don't wear them. So it was funny. So it was funny. Saturday night after the induction, we were at, at a, uh, the Jaguars. You know, Sean Conn, the owner, was so gracious and threw this great party for me. It was amazing. And Tom's there, and we were talking and laughing and, and you know, kind of shooting the breeze. And I said, and we were, he was, we were laughing about what I had said about the dumb rules. And I said, hey, Tom, look what I'm wearing. I got white socks on, and you can do nothing about it right now. <laughs> That's well done. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. It was so cool to watch you. Well-deserved, representing Jacksonville and Duval like you do. And, um, man, hopefully we can catch up with you down the road. Uh, Congratulations and thanks for the time, Tony. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Tony. That is Pro Football Hall of Famer and Jaguars great Tony Baselic. Outstanding. Yeah. Joining us on the Stanley Fencing Gates Hotline, our guest Vince Ferrara as he joins us for Vince's Views. They are, of course, powered by Waters Equipment Company. Let's get to the phones. It's Jeff who's up first. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hey, doing good. How are you doing? Doing fine. Thanks. Excellent. Well, um, I had heard uh, Jimmy make reference to, uh, 
I guess uh, was Hendon Hooker listed as like uh, maybe number five quarterbacks, and of course he didn't quite agree with that. But I think it was behind Bryce Young at Alabama. Um, with his statistics and everything, I was really thinking, uh, you know, given second year under Heupel and this high-powered offense, that we could do quite a bit more, you know. I know, uh, obviously, with our defense, the third-down conversions were a big problem last year. We got so frustrated with Ole Miss and with uh, Kiffin. Don't even make me say his name again, but uh, yes. Uh, just wanted to see what you guys thought about uh, that as far as what we can do this next year, uh, uh, considering the offense is second year under Heupel. What do you think, Vince? Well, I, I think that this is going to be a, a tremendous offense once again. The numbers were so good last year. I don't know how much better they're going to be this year. You have to think you did lose some personnel, although I think – this year's offense has the potential maybe to be a little bit deeper in terms of the players that they trust, whether it's in the backfield or at wide receiver. But it's a little bit it was a little bit older last year as a as a group overall. Yes, second year in the system, I think there'll be some improvement there. They put up some pretty big numbers as it is offensively. Hendon Hooker did himself, and then the team overall. So I I think they'll be outstanding. Averaged almost 40 points a game last year. What what do you want, 45? (laughs) Yes. 40. (laughs) Yeah, 39.31, you want 40. Okay. So, yes, if you're talking about that, I think, Jeff, you can see maybe them be a little bit better. But the key for them is, is the wins and losses, not necessarily the offensive stats. And it, it's a it's a couple of things on offense. One is the short yardage. Then get better there and move the chains and and convert a little bit more and not put their defense back out on the field so quickly on some occasions. Even if the results are the same or the yards are, are the same, the the results meaning the 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 total total plays and points per game and a lot of those stats if you can convert on third downs those those are the kind of things that are going to lead to more wins and they're going to help your defense and then obviously there's things on the defensive side of the ball that will lead to to wins maybe even more than that but i think you could see similar type of numbers but because of some of those positives and the growth in the second year i think what you're hoping for is not the stats to be better but the one-loss record to be better. How do you view it, Jimmy? I think for the one-loss record to be better, the stats have to be as good or better. I think they kind of go hand-in-hand, but I agree completely on the third-down conversions. Tennessee needs to be better on that, not just to score more points, but to keep the defense off the field. So I I think that's a part of it. But I I think they can score more, in part because of the schedule, in part because Hooker's got a year under his belt, and in part because he will, if he can stay healthy, start every game. Yeah. As opposed to just uh, he missed the first two starts last year. If they're better, John, I don't think it's drastic. I think it might be small improvements in some different stats. Yeah, yeah. And, and it might be you just do better against the better teams right. as yeah. opposed to getting the opportunity to ring up a couple of opponents. Right. But, Jeff, we do appreciate the call. With Jimmy Himes, I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us for his weekly visit. It's Bobby who's up next. Hi, Bobby. How are you? Fine. How are you guys? How are you doing today? Doing well, thanks. How you doing, Jimmy? 
Good, Bobby. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready for football season, I'll tell you that. Me too. Uh, I was going to get your opinion. What do you think Heupel came out of his second – when he came out of his second scrimmage, did you, you think he had a better idea of who he's going to be – who's going to be his ones and twos? And yes. uh, do you think – and do you think uh, – I know it's just – I mean, I know it's just a scrimmage him going against ourselves and all this, but uh, did you think our defensive backs look better? Than the first scrimmage until the second scrimmage. <laughs> well, since we don't get to see him, I can't answer that. Uh, I can only <laughs> tell you what coaches say. Uh, Vince, yeah. I, I think that Josh Heupel, based on what he said Sunday, he was more pleased with what the defense did in scrimmage number two than scrimmage number one. Yeah, and he pointed to some some basics and reading your keys and understand what you're doing, things like that. Tackling in the open field has been improved. So those those are positive signs, but who does that apply to? He didn't specifically point out, you know, a certain cornerback or said, Yeah, these guys did this, so they rise up. When Willie Martinez talked not that long before that, between the two scrimmages, he was very complimentary about a lot of guys. So I think, Bobby, that might be the position that that and left tackle, the the corners and left tackle are the positions that are probably the most open where there isn't the clarity that this is probably going to go into the season where they're still trying to figure it out. Uh, hopefully they'll figure it out by the end of the Ball State game, but it, it could go beyond that if there's not pure separation. Uh, one more question, guys, and uh, I'll hang up and listen. Uh, do you know about about this game Thursday night between Sevier County and uh, Jefferson County? Uh, do you all know a little bit about both of the teams, and uh, do they match up evenly? That is a uh, it's a good question. Um, I'll say this: I was impressed with the uh, with the gains that Jefferson County made last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I am told by proud Smoky Bear alum Sam Foreman, just watch out when you play in the back yard of the Smoky Bears at Sevier County High. So um, it being a rivalry Thursday, I think it's a fantastic matchup. And uh, and I think it's year two for Sevier County's coach since they had a change. And uh, and so, but anyhow, I just think it should be a, a heck of a game. But I was really impressed with, uh, with some of the gains that we've seen from Jefferson County. Yeah, VFL Spencer Rowley's done a really good job yeah. with that Jeff County program. Are, are you insinuating that maybe Sevier County might invite some of their friends, some of their own, the family from from the the Smoky Mountains might you know venture in towards the Jeff County sideline? Are you insinuating that? Could possibly be. <laughs> Beautiful venue for, it is for football. Great, yeah, it is. Yeah. And we will have the game for you here on the Sports Animal as well. That's right. So, uh, but anyhow, we sure do appreciate it, Bobby. Thank you very much. Let's go next to Steve. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. Uh, I may not get much of an answer, uh, but I would like to ask what went on Saturday, what went on in the scrimmage Sunday morning, and what has went on as far as you think y'all know about how some individual players look. I know you don't know a lot, but I bet you do know something. That's right. Uh, Steve, Steve, I'll give you a little something. Saturday, they actually, within our two viewing periods, they gave us a little bit of red zone work that they let us look at. We weren't able to shoot it, but we were able to watch it. And I tell you, there were some really, really nice plays on both sides by the DB, some corners, some 
the safeties, and then a variety of receivers, tight ends, some running backs. Basically a lot of fade routes into the back of the end zone. Uh, Joe Milton just gunned in sort of a back shoulder uh, on uh, on one DB. I think the best play I saw was back pylon. Uh, Jacob Warren leaped over Slaughter, Danico Slaughter, and went literally pulled it from in front of him, jumping, and then grabbed it in front of the DB Slaughter and reeled it back in for a touchdown. That was a pretty special play. Saw a, a number of other really good ones, but uh, I, I thought that was really good competitive stuff. Actually, a couple of better catches <laughs> there were by uh, by a walk on for Tennessee uh, that uh, uh, you know that we've. You know, don't see a don't hear a whole lot about, but Jack Jancic made a couple of the better catches that I saw in in some uh, of those competitions. So that was cool. Little bit something on the bone, which we don't always get to see. And then in a scrimmage, Josh Heupel was happy with a lot of what he saw, just building on the first scrimmage, and that's what you want. You want to see guys that are good first scrimmage follow it up. I think some of the receivers on Walker Merrill is continuing to have a good camp. Had two good scrimmages. He pointed out Brew McCoy. Jimmy, any other guys that uh, Josh Apple pointed out? Brew McCoy looks a lot better than he mm-hmm. did the first week, so I like his progress. Dylan Sampson, you asked about him today, and yep. he's he's looked really good. They like what they've seen in camp from him. Um, gosh, I uh, well, Squirrel White. Now, now White's yeah. he went in practice. He's missed the uh, last couple of practices, I believe. Right. But they really like what they've seen out of him early, but they need to get him back on the field. Uh, those would be a couple of others that they have uh, singled out. I tell you what, Jimmy. When I asked Jabari Small about Dylan Sampson, I loved his real reaction because he was like, "Ooh, good player." And then he got into the specifics. But mm-hmm. that little reaction tells me as much as any of the specifics afterwards. Where it's like, "Ooh, good player." I, I, I think that that was that was another little indicator that that, that kid's going to play, and he's and. Jerry Mack said he's kind of like what? What did he? How did he refer to him as? He's the uh, the the pretty popular. I forget what the exact phrase that Jerry Mack used, but uh, he's a, f- a flavor of the week or he's something. A, he's a favorite in the building. Yeah, fan favorite, something like that. Yeah, by by yeah, fan favorite in the building. Yeah, that's because right. of his work ethic and how impressive he has been coming in in the summer. And he will also make. Sexy runs. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're that's what the coach said. We're revisiting that. Yeah, especially with the running backs. <laughs> do, do you have Do you have a a chart for sexy runs? Like who yeah, leads the a... room in sexy runs? Final segment for us with Vince Ferrara. His hour brought to you by Waters Equipment Company. And Vince, we'll go to the text line, which folks can call eight six five six five six ninety nine hundred. Can also use that number to text. Andrew, who's listening in Illinois, nice. wants to know your thoughts that compared to the last three coaches, does year two under Hypel feel largely different than the other the last three coaches to get a second year? I think so. It feels like it's more on solid ground. And look, a number of those coaches did have those step ups in year two. I guess maybe because we've been through the the first two before, maybe that that experience you, you view this one with a little bit of a grain of salt. 
but I do think they're on solid ground with the roster development that they've already had and how much the players really love being here versus some of the maybe hype and uh, different circumstances that led to a step up in competition. So, yes, I do think it it feels different uh, this time around versus the other two. Let's work in a call from Jim before the hour ends. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, Vince, I am wearing white socks, so I hope you'll take my call. <laughs> hey, not my rule. We've, we've, we've rolled with white socks before. <laughs> hey, listen, I want you to talk a little bit about special teams. Uh, first of all, is it are the special teams under one coach, or is it being divided up amongst various coaches? And then just talk a little bit about how you view our special team this year in terms of place kicking uh, and and uh, punting and, and our return game? Well, we will learn more tomorrow. We are going to talk to Mike Eckler, special teams coordinator. Chili already hot. That's right. <laughs> It'd be nice if you actually brought us some, like somebody hooking the media up with a little something every once in a while, especially when you don't have to wait for interviews. But anyway, he he's very entertaining, so we'll learn more about the special teams and how – how the scrimmages have gone because those are probably we that's the what we see the least. I mean, those guys are indoors just warming up and doing things while we're outside for our viewing period. So it, we have to rely on what people are saying about them. So tomorrow will be, Jim, more of a learning period. Now, overall, I think that they have a pretty good array of athletes, especially Squirrel White, added to that group. Uh, D. Williams, Dylan Sampson, all of their all of their receivers and DBs—they have a ton of improved speed and athleticism. A number of those guys that can return kicks for you this year and replacing Valus Jones, obviously big shoes to fill. And they got to get better to me in the punt game in terms of distance. Uh, Paxton Brooks is top half of the league, maybe top three or four in terms. Of punting, I'd like to see that average kick up a little bit. Now, I think pretty solid in the in the place kicking department. Jimmy, what do you think? No, I agree with you. I think uh, with McGrath and Brooks, uh, Brooks is in the top four in the in the SEC, mm-hmm. and then McGrath is, I don't know, top five or so. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty reliable. Uh, they would probably like for him to be able to extend his range. Yep, but he's uh, you get him inside forty five, he's pretty darn good. So. And then the return game, who knows, with that Bayless Jones, it's going to be uh, uh, interesting to see who ends up as a specialist on kick and punt returns. McGrath, three of six beyond 40 yards last year. Three of five, 40 to 49. Oh of one beyond 50. They might need a long kick from him, so mm-hmm. you'd like to see that improve. Well, hopefully uh, it's all good because that's the special teams can uh, cost you a game or two if you're not you know, on your special teams. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, Jim. You too, Jim. Thank you very much. And uh, speaking of high school football, it starts Friday night, and you've got a good one in terms of two programs under new leadership that meet in South Knoxville. The legend replacement game. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Cummings takes over at Oak Ridge for Joe Gaddis, who's the OD. Scott Cummings can't get him to go to a practice because Joe Gaddis doesn't doesn't want to be a shadow or want to be in his way. He wants to let him run his own program. And Scott Cummings is like, 
It's okay. I'm comfortable in my own skin. You're not going to intimidate me. You're not going to uh, bother me. Come to a practice. But um, he, he wants to give him space. So that's the kind of guy that Joe Gaddis is. But got a few injuries for Oak Ridge. We'll talk about that on the on the broadcast. But, man, they have so many weapons, so many weapons uh, at Oak Ridge. And then South Doyle, exciting new coach in Paul Shelton coming over from UC Davis, coached by Dan Hawkins, ain't in her murals, brother. <laughs> and so, so that's, uh, or go play in her murals, I yeah. think is the exact one. But uh, he's bringing that prolific passing offense to South Doyle. Uh, so there's probably going to be a lot of points scored this Friday. And uh, my bud, Don Mahoney, who three great years as my color analyst and partner, he's back in coaching as assistant at Web School. So, color analyst this year, VFL, Jay Graham. Excited about that. Who's going to join you guys tomorrow, Jimmy? 335? We look forward to that. Right. Awesome. So, yeah, can't wait. uh, AM 990 this Friday night, starting at 7 p.m. And we had the over and under set at 5.5 on shameless self-promotion within this segment alone. (laughs) And we exceeded it. (laughs) Oh, as a group. I thought you were pointing to me. No, no, no. It's a cover. It's a cover. (laughs) But anyhow, uh, always excited for high school football and the game of the week. And uh, folks can hear that on AM 990. Can't wait for uh, for you and Jay to uh, take the airwaves. Yep. And uh, just a reminder, for Catholics game, for Hardin Valley on News Talk, or for our game of the week or the Rivalry Thursday games, we post all of those commercial-free on our website, 991thesportsanimal.com. Just look for the – just go to the Shows tab, High School Football the schedule is there for the entire season for all our stations and all those replays in case you missed it. So check it out, share it, and uh, subscribe to that High School Football Podcast as well. Vince, sure to appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. That's Vince Ferrara and his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment Company. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose, to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more.